You know, I love the game of basketball. Been a fan really my whole life. Uh, didn't really play a lot other than kind of backyard basketball, but man, just absolutely love the game. Probably like many of you, possibly, man, have a passion for the game of basketball. Maybe it's because possibly you played, maybe as a kid yourself, maybe on some rec leagues or travel ball. Probably a lot of us who are watching this, maybe at one of our campuses, the reason that you love the game is because uh, you have kids and grandkids, and there's nothing that'll rope you into loving something more than your kids and your grandkids. Come on. And uh, while we're talking about kids and grandkids, I want to give just a special shout out. We have a couple of programs right here in our community that have just done stellar. In fact, over this weekend, our Deschler girls and our uh, Covenant boys both won state championships. Come on, let's show them some love. We have some families. So the game of basketball is, uh, is, is, a, is a great game. And now is a great season to be a part of it. Again, not just because of some of our local teams winning championships, but um, this is a season that March Madness takes place. March Madness, if you don't know what it is, it is the NCAA men's tournament. It's a single elimination. It starts with 68 teams, ultimately whittles down to Sweet 16, the Elite Eight, the Final Four, and finally the National Championship. And so it's just an amazing thing. You might say, well, what does basketball what does this great game that I love, I'm going to tell you I love it because I've got an Alabama jersey on. That's something significant. Uh, but but don't, don't, don't sleep on this. I just got to say, this is not really an Alabama jersey. This is a Colin Sexton jersey who now plays for the Cleveland Cavs, and I'm a Cavs fan. I slipped that in on you. But here's, here's what's amazing about the game of basketball. Is the game of basketball is a powerful metaphor for the game of life. When you think about what it takes, there are rules and regulations that govern the game that you have to play by if you want to play the game. When you get into the game, it just takes a high level of discipline to compete at a high level. It's all about fouling out, technicals, maybe getting benched in the game. It's all about winning and losing, which again incorporates really our life. And so what I decided to do is launch this series, March Madness. Come on, everybody say that together. March Madness. March Madness, what we're going to do for the next several weeks is we're going to take a journey and we're going to look at the life of a guy by the name of Samson. Now, if you're new to church, man, we are so glad you're here. Thanks so much for showing up. If you have no church background, or you've been in church your whole life, we're excited that you're here. Come on, can we honor a lot of guests here? But Samson, you don't have to know a lot about the Bible, probably at some point in your life, maybe to heard of the name Samson. Samson is known as the strongest man in scripture. He is the big man of the Bible. But specifically, his story is that he is found in the book of Judges. The book of Judges is an Old Testament book. He's in the book of Judges because he's a judge. Now, not the robe and gavel kind that we think of that sit in a court. Judges in biblical times were these people that God appointed, that God anointed, that God used. They were military and political leaders that God would raise up at certain times that they would be put in place to rescue the nation of Israel from other area oppressors. Specifically, Samson was raised up to deliver the nation of Israel from this group of people that maybe you've heard of called the Philistines. Remember, David slew Goliath, who was a Philistine. Now, his story is really powerful because if you don't really know the entire story that we're going to get into over the next several weeks, his, his entire life is marked by strengths and struggles. Strengths and struggles. Times where his game was on, he was making the shot, he was in the game, he was competing at a high level, and then there was times he was fouling out, that he was getting teed up that he was getting benched. Strengths and struggles don't just mark his life, they mark our life. 
How many of us in this room are watching in Lawrenceburg or Shoals, right? Some of us, were in a season of strength. It just feels like we're clicking on all cylinders. It feels like life is in a good place. It feels like our relationship with God is going well. But like every program, winning programs go through seasons where they're just a losing program. Basketball is a game of momentum. Life is a game of momentum. And while we all love the seasons of strength, come on, some of us in this room or some of you at one of our campuses, you're in a season of struggle. And like, it just feels like you can't get your head above water. It feels like you're always messing up, always missing the mark. Like no matter how much you try, it feels like, man, you just can't catch traction. And so our life is about this, again, this season of strength and struggle. And so my hope is if you're in a season of strength, that God's going to continue to do something significant in your life through this series. And if you're in a season of struggle, if you're in a season where you're just continuing to foul and turn the ball over in life, that God is going to do something to call your heart back to a great place in him. And you're going to see a high level of success in your relationship with Jesus. How many people are down for that? His story, Samson's story is found again in the book of Judges, specifically chapters 13 through 16. An entire man's biographical sketch given in four chapters. And it starts off, and there's four things that mark his life early as being a superstar. Samson was a superstar. The first thing that marked his life was that God drafted him to his team before he was ever born. Now, if you follow basketball at all, a lot of times kids, great players, young boys and young girls will get offer letters from colleges who want them to come and play in their program based on their level of skill or talent. And a lot of times, a kid will not get that offer letter until their senior year, maybe junior. If they're really a stellar athlete, they might get interest maybe in their sophomore, even freshman year. But Samson was such a superstar that God drafted him to his team before he was ever born. Second thing that marked the life of Samson, not just he was drafted by God before he was born, but Samson was born to barren parents. His wife or his, his uh, mom and dad couldn't have kids. God showed up late in life and blessed him. I just want to tell you, it's never too late for a miracle in your life. You may feel like his time is gone, but it's never too late for God. And God shows up and blesses Samson's parents with this child. The third thing that marked his life is uh, that his birth was announced by angels. Now, this is significant because it puts Samson in some pretty sweet company. There's only five times that I know of that a a baby's birth was announced by an angel. Four of them are found in scripture, right? First of all, Isaac, Isaac, his birth was announced to his mom and dad, Abraham and Sarah. We see Samson, his birth was announced by an angel. John the Baptist, his birth was announced to his mom, Elizabeth, before he was born. And Jesus, come on, this is a pretty good company. Jesus, his birth was announced. The fifth one is outside of scripture, and it was my granddaughter, baby Shar. I mean, I don't know how that works. A, an, an angel announces the birth of an angel, but it's, come on, it's in there. My baby's better than yours. Anyways, <laughs> just a fact. The fourth thing that marked the life of Samson was God, when he was born, gave him a rule book. God gave Samson a rule book. And I just want you to see these four things. Again, God drafted him on his team before he was born. He was born to barren parents that his birth was announced by an angel and God gave him a rule book. Watch this just real quick in Genesis chapter 13. If you have your Bible, you can turn there. If not, the verses are on the jumbotron. Says this, verse three through five, the angel of the Lord appeared to Manoah's wife. That was his dad, Manoah. His mom, for whatever reason, is not named. 
The angel of the Lord appeared to Manoah's wife and said, even though you have been unable, everybody say unable, you may not be able to do something, but God can do something for you. Come on, y'all ought to give God some praise for that. Even though you've been unable to have children, you will soon become pregnant and give birth to a son. So be careful. You must not drink wine or any other alcoholic drink nor eat any forbidden food. And you will become pregnant and give birth to a son and his hair must never be cut. For he will be dedicated to God as a Nazarite from birth, and he'll begin to rescue Israel from the Philistines. Now, again, I want you just to pay attention for a minute to this idea that he has, uh, he's got a, a rule book. Rules really define every game. If you think about life, you probably have a rule book at work. You have an employee manual. Think about any area of life that we operate in. There are some regulations that govern what we do, and there's really nothing different than the game of basketball. There is a rule book for the game. In fact, in the NCAA, I was flipping through the rule book. Lots of rules from page to page, cover to cover, but some basics. Maybe if you love the game, you already know this, but in order to advance the ball on the offense, you can only do it two ways. You can do it through passing, or you can do it through dribbling. And when you dribble, again, if you know the game, there's a couple infractions, there's a couple rules, there's a couple regulations that govern the game as you move the ball up court. One thing you can't do is double dribble, which means you're dribbling, you pick the ball up, you stop, and you dribble again. Double dribble, can't do that. The second thing is, and a lot of us see this, is traveling. It's when you stop, you can hold one foot down and you can pivot but you can't lift that other foot. If you lift that other foot, that's a travel. It's a travel. And here's what's crazy is, especially in this generation, if if you want to carry a ball, then go play football. If you want to kick a ball, then go play soccer. But in the great game of basketball, if you want to move the basketball, you have to do it through dribbling. And that's regulated. The rules are laid out in the book. Now, the reason that's important is another rule that you'll find is that the official court, the official size of an NCAA basketball court is it's 50 foot wide by 94 foot long. And here's what I want you to know if you're taking notes is, is you have to be on the court if you want to compete. In the great game of basketball, in the great game of life, you have to be on the court if you want to compete, which means if you want to play the game of basketball, you have to play by not your rules, but the rules of the game. Come on, are y'all tracking with me? Another thing, you can't compete if you don't comply, which means not only do you have to ascribe by the rules of the game, if you want to play on the court, if you want to stay on the court, you got to keep playing by the rules of the game. And here's why that's important is what I have found is a lot of us have been sabotaging God's call in our life because we continue to play out of bounds. When you don't play by the rules, either you're playing a different game or you don't get to continue to play the game. And I just want you to know that God has something significant and a call and a purpose for all of our lives. But if we don't play by God's rules, if we don't manage to stay underneath the regulations that God has given us, we will get off the court. We all have a rule book. So when you look at Samson, Samson was given a rule book. You may not have caught it, but the Bible uses this term when it describes Samson coming in. And it says that Samson was called to live by this thing called a Nazarite vow. Let's say that together, a Nazarite vow. Something we don't really know a lot about today. It's not really something in our culture. But the Nazarite vow was the rule book that God gave Samson to govern his life. It was the regulations 
that he was called to live by. And God, there was only three rules. The NCAA rule book is filled with rules. God gave Samson three. When you hit a three, come on, everybody throw up the sign three. Come on, everybody throw up the sign. Come on, make, make, a, make it like this. This is just three. If you ever hit a three, you can run down the court and do this. Don't do that unless you hit lots of them. If you only make one, you shouldn't do that. Anyways, God gives Samson the Nazarite rule book that governed the game of the call on his life. And what's interesting, these, these three rules, let me just tell them real quick and then we're gonna look at them. Here are the three rules. Don't touch anything dead. Don't drink anything from the vine. And don't cut your hair. Now you might say, what? What, what does touching something dead and cutting your hair, what does that have to do with God using somebody? I'm glad you asked. I'm glad you came to church today because you're about to find out why. I'm gonna answer a question you're not asking, which we shouldn't do as pastors, but let me tell you why I'm gonna answer one because this is a question you should be asking. If you wanna qualify for the game that God has for your life, if you wanna walk in the purpose and the plan that he's called you to, if you wanna be successful in the things that God has planned out for your life, then you need to do, make sure you are managing the regulations that God's put on us, operating by the rules of the game so we can compete, so we can make sure that we win in everything that God has for our home, for our marriages, for our finances, and for our relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. You gotta play by the rules. So here's the three rules, right? Number one is don't touch dead things, which I'm just going to tell you, you don't even have to tell me that rule. I'm already in that rule. I mean, like, I know I'm, I'm six foot three. A living bug? Uh-uh. A dead bug? Oh, heck no. I don't even know what it is, but I just don't want to touch it. Don't want to touch anything dead. But God comes along, and I think these three things, don't touch dead things, don't drink anything from the vine, and don't cut your hair, have to do with your past, your present, and your future. See, what Jesus said was this, when there was a guy that Jesus said, hey, come and follow me, come and be one of my followers, come and, come and figure out what real life looks like. His answer was, hey, Jesus, my daddy's been sick for a while, it doesn't look like he's going to make it, you know, we, we've, called in, we've called in care, and he may not even make it for a few days, I'm going to hang out and bury dad, then I'll follow you. Jesus said, let the dead bury the dead. What he was saying, he wasn't saying don't love your family, and he wasn't saying don't have grief when you lose somebody. But what he was trying to teach us is, is there some stuff in our past that needs to stay in our past, because if we carry it into our present, it'll compromise our call. <laughs> Let me tell you what I mean by that. Is what I have found is in a lot of our lives, there's probably two things that continue to resonate in all of our journeys, and that's shame and pride. Shame and pride. A lot of times we look over our shoulder, and what's in the rearview mirror is shame and guilt and disappointment. And we got divorced and I said I would never get divorced again and somehow I got divorced again. I just keep wrestling with addiction. I just kind of have just went back. I've got this season, I've got this history, right? All of us in this room, we have seasons of shame and disappointment and guilt in our rearview mirror. And when you allow shame to operate in your present, this is why it has to stay in the past. This is why you can't bring it with you because shame said you couldn't do it then and you can't do it now. Shame. The other thing that operates in the past that has to stay in the past is pride. Everybody say pride. You want to find a great athlete. You don't have to go to the NBA. You don't have to go to the NCAA. Just find a high school athlete that played 20 years ago because here's what I know is the older they get, the better they were. Here, I mean, come on, they didn't get in the game but for like 97 seconds and now to hear them tell the story like they won the championship. I'm not talking about you. I'm talking about somebody you know. 
But pride, pride is this flip side of shame where it's like, look what I did. Look at the business I built. Look what I'm doing. Look how successful I am. Look at the success I'm having. Look at, and it's all me, my, my, I. And the problem with shame and the problem with pride is they both exclude God. And it doesn't matter the shame in your past. You can still be successful today because of God. And it doesn't matter what you did in the past. If you're going to do what God's called you to do, it's going to take a partnership with God. He's got to be the coach of the game of your life for we, so we can succeed on the rule. Come on, let's go, somebody. So shame and pride. So he said, listen, Samson, you got to make sure you don't touch anything dead, which is a way of saying you got to make sure you leave the appropriate stuff in your past and don't carry it into your present. The second rule in the rule book that God gave Samson was this, don't drink from the vine, which was a way of telling Abraham or Samson, uh, don't, don't get drunk. Abstain from alcohol. I'm going to wait for some of you to write that one down. (laughs) And here's why. Think about this. Samson, the strong man. This guy is known for incredible feats of strength. And God wanted Samson to know, listen, when you get out on the field, when you get out on, on on the court, when you're out there and you're winning the game, I don't want you to misunderstand where your strength comes from. You're not going to operate on liquid courage. Come on, some of you have been around. We're in church, I know, but come on. Some of us know what liquid courage is about. You never read. Samson did some crazy stuff. Samson tore a lion in half. I I don't know how many friends I have that have done that. I don't think any. Right? He he picked up the jawbone of an ass and killed a thousand men. You read all these incredible feats, and here's what you never read in Scripture. You never read that before that happens, Samson ever said, hold my beer. Yeah, ain't nothing that ever happened. Because, come on, some of us who have a past, who have a history, some of you got a present, we're just here to talk about that today, is when he said, don't drink any alcohol, what he was saying is, don't allow other stuff in your life to cloud what I'm doing. Don't, don't allow it, because you don't need liquid courage if you know the Lord God, come on, your Savior. That's why God said over and over again, do not fear, do not fear, do not fear. Because if it's liquid courage, you're going to put yourself in a place you shouldn't be in. When the liquid wears off, you're going to find yourself in a place you're probably going to lose. But when I know who God is, And when I know what God's called me to do, and I know he is with me and he is for me and he is fighting my battles, I don't need, I need heavenly courage, not liquid courage. So we don't need our present clouded by anything else. Let me just ask you a question. What is it in your life? What is it in the game of life that you use as a coping mechanism? What's the thing that you fall back on when you need courage? What's the thing that you reach to when you need strength? Some of you at social media, you are looking for social media to pump you up, to substantiate who you are. Some of you, it is alcohol. And after a rough day, after a challenging tomorrow, we lean on the liquid. Some of us, it's relationships. And what God was telling Samson is, if you want to compete at the highest level of the call that I have on your life, you're going to have to find that I'm your source you're gonna to have to find that you can always turn to me and I'll give you the strength you lack and I'll give you the peace that you need and I'll give you the hope that this world can never offer. So the rule book that God gives Samson is, hey, this has to do with your past. This has to do with your present. And then I love this last one. He says, hey, don't cut your hair. 
Don't cut your hair. Now, we went through a funny time with COVID. I don't know if anybody watched it happen. And if you couldn't see it happening during COVID, because we were in lockdown and we were in houses, and I, I'm not talking about anybody in this room. I'm talking about our Lawrenceburg campus. <laughs> I'm talking about Shoals campus. But I have seen this happen where there's people, and some of you are here. I'm so glad you're here. So glad some of you are showing up. You're getting comfortable coming out of COVID. You're, you're stopping making excuses about COVID. Welcome back to the house. Come on, let's go. Come on, welcome back to the house. But I've seen people, and I'm, I'm really good, if you know me, now our church, we're several thousand people. I've always been good with names and faces. And so when our church, when we grew four, five, six, seven, eight, about a thousand, I, you, if I saw somebody, I knew your name. If I seen you out, I know you. And people was like, man, pastor, how do you know everybody's name? And God just gave me a capacity for names, but I found out I ran out. <laughs> now, in order to lose, in order to learn a new name, I got to throw an old name out. That's the truth. <laughs> It's like Facebook. I got to delete some old friends to make room for new friends. And uh, so just names, you know, man, are just, just very comfortable for me, very confident for me. But here's what's funny is coming back from COVID, people that I had not seen for two years, they walk up, pastor, man, it's so good to see you, man. We're finally getting back. And I would look at this person like, it's so good to see you. And just so you know, it happens in my mind too. I'm like, who are you? I have never seen you a day in my life. And then they walk away and I thought, the last time I seen you, you were blonde. Come on. Last time I, and now you're gray. Come on. Come on, this is wisdom right here. I heard, ain't nothing wrong with gray, but I'm just saying last time I seen you was a brunette. Because what happened during COVID, come on, all my ladies, you gotta shout me down. Guys too, guys let their beards grow out. Come on, they let their hair grow long. Come on, do you know why? Because come on, you couldn't get in to see your girl. You couldn't get in to see your barber. And so, girl, all of a sudden, roots. What I'm telling you is kind of the longer the amount of time went by, the longer you could see the last time they went to see the person that helped them look good. I'm not saying you don't look good. I'm just saying it helps. But y'all try, if I try to get my hair cut, I try to get my hair cut every, every couple weeks. And if I don't get my hair cut enough, it just starts getting long. And then my hair doesn't get long, it starts getting big. <laughs> but you don't see it unless there's time. What I'm telling you is there's way too many people in their calling with Christ that do good for a day and do good for a week. What God was telling Samson is, I'm calling you to the long haul. I'm calling you to play the entire 48 minutes of the game. I don't want you to get in and then go to the bench. I want you to see this thing through. I don't want you to play a couple games and then get hurt. I don't want you to get in for a few games, road games, and then get ejected. He says, I've called you to the entire season. And you'll know it because the longer you look at me, the longer my hair gets, which tells you I'm still in the game. I want some of you to know, man, now's the time that you get off these short stints and these quick spurts on the court and you buy into the long-term game that God has for your life. You have a future in Jesus and he's got a future in you. Past, present, and future. I think the challenge for all of us is, if you're taking notes, we can't experience God's victory playing by our rules. There is a rule book that God gave Samson, the superstar. And there is a rule book. There are regulations. There are parameters. There is a court God's called you to play on. And if you want to walk out what God has for you, you got to play by his rules. And I think the challenge is for a lot of us in this room and a lot of us in Lawrenceburg or in Shoals is if we're just really honest, we all know people. We all know people that have been ejected from the game. 
We know people that have compromised their call, who have violated boundaries, and they've lost their family. Some of us in this room, we know people who've lost their kids, who lost their careers, who lost their dignity. This month, in fact, just a week from the day, I have the privilege to celebrate 29 years in full-time ministry. Went into full-time ministry at the ripe age of 21 years old. March 1993. And here's what's crazy is in the joy of my life of walking out my call and walking out my purpose and doing what God's called me to do, I have done it with so many incredible men and women of God. I've seen incredible leaders and incredible pastors that God raised them up and give them platforms and positions, people like Jed and Julie Chapel, that God's just doing, and I just get to watch them and be friends with them and see them walk out their purpose and then play on the court that God gave them. And it's just been amazing. But at the same time of watching lots of friends succeed, I have had the unfortunate front row seats to see lots of friends fail. To see pastors that have served on my staff, friends that have served alongside of me, decide to play by their own rules and are today no longer in the game because of technical fouls. They got teed up with sexual indiscretion. They crossed the line and was out of bounds with addiction and choices. And you look at these people and you're like, God had something great for them. And they were walking it out. They were the superstar on God's court and they were scoring for the kingdom. And they decided to say, I don't want to play by those rules anymore. When you don't play by God's rules, you're either playing another game or you're not playing a game at all. And it's just been so sad to watch this happen over and over and over and over again. But you watch these guys, and again, I told you the rule book was the Nazarite vow. Everybody say Nazarite vow. Nazarite vow. The word Nazarite comes from this word Nazir. Everybody say that. You got to give the Z some oomph. Ready? Nazir. Say it again. Nazir. Nazir. The word Nazir means to separate, to separate. I am, again, a huge fan of the game of basketball. I like college basketball. I prefer pro. And I'm old enough, I've got to watch some of the greatest players of the game ever play. When I first got interested in basketball, people like Magic Johnson, Michael Jordan, Larry Bird, Dominique Wilkins, incredible players of the game, to watch them play the game. To move on to watch in the 90s, my team, Gary Payton, Detler Shrimp, Sean Kemp, like these guys I just enjoy. Now I watch today. I know some of you don't like LeBron. Get over it. He is one of the greatest, if not the greatest player to ever play the game. That's all right. Don't hate all you want. His stats speak for itself. But here's what's funny is one of the people I never really appreciated, unfortunately, now he's gone, was Kobe Bryant. The Black Mamba. Ice in his veins. And I just didn't appreciate him because at that time I was on the 76ers bandwagon and... Uh, Kobe Bryant was giving Allen Iverson a beating, so I didn't like him. 
But it's funny since he's passed just recently. You know how you're watching on whatever you're in TikTok, if you're watching on uh, Facebook videos, you're watching, like how once you catch a trend, it just starts playing these videos. Somehow I came across the Kobe video and it started playing. And now I've watched probably 25, 30 videos on Kobe. And one of the things, if you don't know Kobe, Kobe Bryant played for the Los Angeles Lakers, a phenomenal, phenomenal player, incredible talent. He was cut from the same cloth as Michael Jordan. He wasn't Michael Jordan because there wasn't but one. But he was, his game was very similar. And when I hear him talk about who he was and what he's done, he said this in one of the interviews that I watched. He said, what I found was, he said, I found that I needed to commit myself to the game. At age 12, he said he wasn't on the national radar at all. He had no ranking. They ranked students. He said, at age 12, I had no ranking, and I decided I was going to change that. He said, so I decided what was going to separate me from my peers was I needed to commit myself to the game. And he said, while my peers were practicing two to three times a week, I decided I was going to practice two to three hours every day. And from the time of age 12 to the time of age 14, he was on nobody's radar. He was at age 14, ranked number 17 in the nation. And when he went on and continued to play the game, one of the things you'll find is he continued to be a diligent, committed to, to practicing and preparing for the game. There are so many testimonies of other players who said, I'm going to out hustle him. I'm going to outplay him. Chris Bosch, who played for Miami, one time playing for the uh, Olympic gold. His first time, Chris Bosch, he said, I decided I was going to wake up earlier than anybody and I was going to be on the practice court before anybody. He said, I went down, I set my alarm. He said, I wandered into the breakfast hall. He said, there were no other players up and I thought, I'm going to do it. I'm the first one here trying to set the standard. He said, I sat down to have a bowl of cereal to prepare myself to get ready to go practice. He said, in from the gym walks Kobe Bryant who had already been up for two hours with his knees iced. What I'm telling you is you want to talk about commitment to the game. Kobe Bryant was committed to the game. He put in the work to say, this is what I'm called to do. And I'm going to compete at the highest level. And when it comes to Kobe Bryant, what I want you to know is here's the question I want to ask you is, is your calling a hobby or a habit? We got way too many part-time Christians. We got way too many rec league believers. It's just something we do on Sunday. And I'm just telling you, God has called you to the game of life where you can compete at the highest level and where you can fulfill the call on your life, on the court God's given you to do something great for the king. Is your calling, is it a hobby or is it a habit? My hope through this series is that God will cause a shift in your heart to make the call of God on your life a habit and no longer just a hobby. Now, when you look at Samson, I don't know about you guys, but when you look at Samson, the guy that I know closest to Samson is Ronnie Pogue. You know Ronnie Pogue? Ronnie Pogue just hosted. I just got to give Pastor Ronnie some props because he's, ne well, he will give it to him himself. I just won't let him do it here. But he won a state championship, never competed, about, about a year and a half ago, won the state championship in his weight class for combined bench, uh, deadlift, and squat. And he just went last weekend and now Pastor Ronnie Pogue, Faith Church, has a national record of 947 pounds. Come on, let's show some love for that. I can still fire him, though. Incredible. But you think about Samson, and when you think of Samson, what do you think of? You think of the strongest man who ever lived, and here we are talking about him, and you're like, come on, it's like talking about me and Michael Jordan, like, I, I can never be a Samson. I just want to give you a couple of things. I want to encourage you today before you leave that your calling is just as powerful. 
that the platform God has for you is just as significant as somebody like Samson. And here's how I know, because first of all, again, the first thing I told you was God called him and drafted him to his team before he was born. God knew who you were before you ever breathed your first breath on this planet. God had a plan for your life. The Bible says your days are written in his book. God knew who you would be. God knew where you would show up. And God determined a perfect plan for your life to make a difference in this world. Your plan for your life is no less than Samson's plan for his life because it came from the same God, you're called to. Come on, somebody. Number two, come on, I just got to tell you, when you look at Samson, you're like, I mean, this guy, what marked his life really was the anointing. What caused him to tear a lion in two was the spirit of the Lord came upon Samson. What gave this man the ability to grab the jawbone of a donkey? and destroy a thousand other soldiers, the spirit of the Lord came upon Samson. We look at Samson and we're like, but I'm not Samson. I just want you to know today, here's what the word says. The word says this, but you have an anointing. You have an anointing from the Holy One. Everyone says, I have an anointing. You have the same anointing on your life by the same Holy Spirit that Samson had on his life, which means if God knew you the same way that God knew Samson, and you have the same Holy Spirit in your life and on your life that was upon Samson, that means you can do great things just like Samson. Come on, somebody. You got a call on the court that God has for you. And the last thing, when you look at Samson, and you guys thought about this, I think it's important you just don't sit down and read the Bible. If you're not reading the Bible, I would encourage you, man, just to begin to digest God's word. Jesus said, man doesn't live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God, which means if you eat physical meals for your physical body, you need to eat spiritual nutrition for your spiritual man. And I found for me, one of the things that I love about the Bible is not just to read it, but to kind of sit and just meditate Give it some consideration. And I can't prove this in the Bible. This is just something I was thinking about. If you had to think of a mental picture of what Samson looked like, I would tell you probably for my entire spiritual journey, I thought like of this guy who is just like Mr. Atlas. Like this guy that was just blown out. I mean, that dude is doing steroids for sure. Like anybody else that's your mental picture, like this guy is stacked and racked in eight pack of abs, not six pack. You know, the Bible never says that. What it does say is when the spirit of the Lord came upon him, he got strong in that moment. And he was, what he did was so amazing. People were like, what? If someone who is built and stacked and racked does something strong, I'm not impressed. I expect that from you. But when you got some dude that's five foot seven and talks like this, 130 pounds soaking wet, and you tear a line it off, I'm impressed by that. I think Samson, to our eyes, was probably ordinary. What made him extraordinary wasn't who he was, it was who God was. And what I have found is that there's way too many Christians that minimize who they are and what they can do because of what they see in the mirror. And I would just say that you're looking in the wrong looking glass. James calls us to look into the looking glass of the word and you'll see who God is. Here's what the Bible says in 1 Corinthians chapter one. Everybody read this with me and we'll close. It says, instead, God chose things the world considers foolish in order to shame those who think they're wise. Watch this. And God chose those things that are powerless to shame those who are powerful. What God says is, 
I, I don't need somebody strong in their own ability because then they'll think they did it. I need somebody who, who really don't think they got it all together. I need somebody who feels very average. I need somebody who looks in the mirror and don't, don't feel like, come on, anybody here feel average? Then you're a candidate for what God can do because when you're not looking at the past and you're governed by your shame or governed by your pride, God said, I can do something so great in you. People are going to look and say, that couldn't have been you. It had to, who, what's the source of your strength? It's not your hair. It's who God is in me. So what I want to tell you today is that Samson was a superstar. What qualified his life to play the game was the rule book. All of you in this room and all of you in Lawrenceburg and all of you in Shoals and all of you watching online, you could be a superstar because you have the same God who knew you before you were born. You got the same Holy Spirit anointing your life. Your average, probably very much like Samson was. So how are you doing in the game of life? If you're not doing well, I would probably say it's because you're choosing to play by your own rules. And you just can't play God's games using your rules. You're playing a different game. Can I give you one more thing? You should have said no. And I wrestled. Now, I, don't, I don't wrestle to say hard things up here. I just know that we live in a, an athletic culture. And I think athletics are awesome. And I think making sure your kids are willing to compete at a high level takes time and effort and energy, takes money. But I just want all the parents just to hear me. I just want to close with this thought. If your kid grows up and becomes one of the 0.004% that make it into professional sports, which means their chance of making a pro is almost none. Now I know your junior's amazing and all, but they're probably gonna compete in high school. They might, they might get a college offer. And then they, you know, they went to college and they played ball, which is cool. They might make it on TV and they might make it pro. Jesus said, what does it profit a man to gain the whole world and lose his own soul? Which means at the highest level, if they get squillions of dollars in the bank, they're a national treasure. Your job is not to make athletes. Your job is to make Christ followers. Yeah. Wait, 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 wait. Let's wait. That doesn't need any applause because I want to buy in this... It's tough. I just want you to write, as a parent, it's tough trying to manage where your kid's at and what they do and what to involve. It's, it is tough. But I just want you to hear one more scripture. And if you're in the place where sports, and maybe you're not even here today, maybe you're on the road and you're watching, I'm glad you're tuning in, but you're trying to wrestle with how do you prioritize the athletic trajectory of your kid's life and their spiritual trajectory. Remember the rule book? Everybody say the rule book. God just didn't give the rule book to Samson God first gave the rule book to his mom. I read it. I just don't know if you caught it. Listen to what it says. This was to his mom. Be careful. Be careful. You must not drink wine or any other alcoholic drink or eat forbidden uh, food. What the angel of the Lord was telling Manoah's wife was, Samson can't grow up and figure this out on his own. He's got to get an example from home. We teach what we know, but we reproduce who we are, which means if we are not living a consistent example of Christ in front of our kids, we can't expect them to pick it up because we drop them off on a Wednesday night twice a month for youth group. If the house of God is going to be a priority for our kids, it's got to be a priority for us. If the word of God is going to be a priority for our kids, it's got to be a priority for us. If generosity is going to be a priority for our kids, it's got to be a priority for... Come on, y'all got to say it. It's got to be a priority for... 
us. What made Samson really great, I believe, was the formative years underneath his parents that played by the same rules they expected him to live by. So we all have a rule book. We play by the regulations of the game God's given us. We can compete at the highest level. And if you're struggling with that, I just wanna encourage you to lean in, not on your own strength, but on God's and see what he'll do. Let's pray. Father, God, I pray in the name of Jesus today. All of us, God, I know all of us have had technical fouls. All of us have fouled out in life. All of us have turned over the ball. But I pray today we would know that we can run to a savior who can give us grace, who can forgive us for our sins and we can find hope in Jesus. If you're here or you're watching this online, you're watching this at home and you've never given your life to Jesus, I want you to know that he can give you a brand new beginning. He can give you a fresh start. It's called grace where his love for you will cover all of your sin and you can in in a moment become a child of God. All you have to do is just say, God, I recognize I'm a sinner. I recognize I need a savior. I believe Jesus, you're that savior. Forgive me, come into my life, save me and help me to follow you. If you pray that prayer, Jesus will meet you where you are. He will forgive your sin and he'll change your life. Before I step off this platform, if you're in this room or you're on either of our other two campuses or online, you say, Pastor Steve, I wanna live at a high level. Maybe you've been in a season of struggle and you're ready to turn that around. Maybe you've been in a season of strength and you wanna continue serving God at a high level. If you're in this room, you say, man, I wanna serve God at the highest level in my home, in my business, in my heart, in my finances. I want you to throw a hand real high. Come on, all over this room. Father, I pray for all of us, including myself. And God, in order for us to compete, Lord, we have to comply. Father, we have to set our hearts in compliance to the boundaries and the rules you've given us. And so Father, help us to follow you. Help us to compete at the highest level as we follow you. In Jesus' name, and everybody who agrees said amen.